you have your Bible with you, open up to Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, and if you're taking notes today, there in your bulletin, you'll see the sermon title, and the sermon title is simply, Your Mother's Teaching, Your Mother's Teaching, Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 9, kind of as a as home base, and then we're going to be looking at a few other cross-references as well as we look at uh, what the Bible has to say about your mother's teaching. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Dear God, we thank you again for this morning. Thank you for the pleasure and the privilege of being here together at church so that we can sing songs of praise and that we can encourage one another as the body of Christ and that we could sit under the preaching of your word. And so I pray that you would challenge us today and encourage us today and enlighten us today of what it means to be a godly mom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, Mother's Day is always a very special day, a special day to honor our moms that we're all grateful for. I know I'm thankful for my mom, and Lisa is grateful for her mom, who both have taught us how to love Christ and what it means to walk with Him through all of life. And the truth is that without our moms, I don't know where we'd be. I mean, God ultimately is in charge and He's in control, but we're just so very thankful for our moms. I'm thankful for a mom who always showed me how Christ was number one and how my, my dad was number two, and the kids were number three. My parents just showed us that, and how they lived in everyday life. And I also thanked Lisa, who was with us in the first service, for following that same example. She's such a godly mom and encouragement to our family. And uh, I want to just say thanks to all the moms out there. So many of you have done such a great job, and you make our lives all better because of your love for Christ and your love for your husbands and your love for your children and your love for this church. I mean, where would Placer Rita be without hard-working, God-honoring, faithful moms? But sometimes moms need a break. And sometimes moms are overworked and underpaid, right? How much are you making, mom? right? Uh, sometimes moms and what they do is simply taken for granted. And moms seem to always be serving others and having very little, if any, time to themselves. And so I was reading a couple of things about Mother's Day this week, and this one lady posted something that was similar to, to just saying like 10 signs that show as if a mom, you're working too hard, maybe you need a break, right? You ready? From one mom to another, she writes this. Number one, when your husband asks what you did today and you think he means you did nothing all day, and so you growl. Oh. All right, number two, when someone asks you how old your kids are and you pause for a second because you honestly can't remember. <laughs> number three, when you're in a Walmart or Target parking lot and it takes too long to find your keys at the bottom of that black hole you call your purse, and so you burst into tears. Number four, when you're taking notes in church and you start writing out your to-do list in the margin. Don't do that this morning, all right? You listen up this morning, but that was actually my favorite one. Number five, when your husband comes home at five o'clock and you're still in your pajamas and he's too scared to ask you how your day went. 
Number six, when you're so exhausted that you fall asleep while giving a spelling test, but you stay up until midnight watching your favorite show on Netflix with your husband because you finally feel like you can relax and you want to enjoy that feeling. Number seven, come on, a lot of you do that. You know you do. All right, number seven, when you start putting protein bars in the microwave so that you feel like you're eating chocolate while still sticking to your diet. Number eight, when you follow every request with an okay buddy and a can you say please, sweetie, even when talking to adults. <laughs> Number nine, when you only watch the Academy Awards so that you can see who won best animated film because those are the only movies you watch anymore. Number 10, when you often refer to yourself in the third person and you say, mommy thinks this and mommy thinks that. And mommy thinks there's nothing wrong with that at all for you to talk that way. Mommy, maybe you just need to take a, a break, right? Moms, moms need a rest too, right? If you're suffering from any or all of these things, then maybe it's time you take a little time off. But you can't because you're a mom and you have a husband who needs you, most of you. And you have children who need you. And how I, how I wish that we could do a better job, Dad, sometimes just stepping up and say, hey, I got this. Why don't you take a break, right? Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about motherhood. And I want to talk to you about how motherhood is a calling, and it's also a gift from God. And nothing can be so demanding and yet so rewarding at the same time. You know that you're in the right place where you need to be as a mom if you're on a date night or a weekend away, but you miss your kids, and you love to see pictures forwarded to you by the babysitter, and you can't wait to hug your children when you get home, right? Healthy place for a mom. I need a break, but I'm kind of missing my kids. Not too much, but just enough to where you get back. It's a loving reunion, right? Motherhood requires skill. It requires endurance and creativity. But there's one distinct difference between a Christian mom and a non-Christian mom. A Christian mom has been changed by Jesus. A Christian mom has the power of Jesus living in her. A Christian mom wants to teach her kids about the love of Christ. A non-Christian mom is totally mothering on her own apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And so today, what I want to encourage you to be is to be that Christian mom, right? Not, not without first coming to Christ on your own, but the idea is, is that we want to take a look at what motherhood is from God's point of view. And I want to show you from this proverb, Proverbs chapter 1, some thoughts about being a wise mom. And a wise mom who is one who loves Christ. And the most important thing that you could ever do as a wise mom is to teach your children about Jesus. And that's why I titled this sermon, Your Mother's Teaching. To teach them about Christ is the best thing you could ever, ever do as a mom. And so on this special day for moms, I want to give you five truths about motherhood. Number one, the family is God's idea. The family is God's idea. Look with me, if you will, at Proverbs 1.1, and we see how this book starts off saying, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And so here we see that Solomon was the king of Israel when he wrote this incredible book of wisdom, which was intended to pass down instruction to his son. 
as well as to all of his readers, for it's inspired word of God included in the canon, right? And Solomon was the third and the last ruler of a united kingdom of Israel for about 40 years. And with God's blessing, Solomon had more riches than any other ruler the world has ever known. He built the resting place for the Ark of the Covenant, which was the first temple in Jerusalem. And this temple was built with unprecedented lavishness and all for the glory of God. He was revered by many, including rulers of other lands such as Egypt, and he formed great political relationships during his reign. Solomon was not only known, though, for his riches, he was also known for his wisdom. And in 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 29 through 31, we read this, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men. Now, what I find incredible about Solomon is that he's the richest man on the earth, and he's also the wisest man on the earth. And we see here in Proverbs who his father was. It's David, but who was his mother? Remember, she was none other than Bathsheba, the former wife of Uriah the Hittite, And after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, they had a baby together who died in his first year of life. After Bathsheba became David's lawful wife, they had another son together, and his name was Solomon. And Solomon loved his mother. Solomon listened to his mother. Solomon honored his mother. And even this exalted king of Israel, this richest man and wisest man the world has ever known, bowed before his mother. This is what it says in 1 Kings 2, 19 and 20. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf of Adonijah. And the king rose to meet her and bowed down to her. Then he set on his throne and had a seat brought up for the king's mother. And she sat on his right. Then she said, I have one small request to make of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, make your request, my mother, for I will not refuse you. Again, think about it. Bathsheba came and she came to talk to the king. And when she came in to talk to the king, he got off his throne. And he bowed down to her. And we see respect and honor that King Solomon shows for his mom. Then he had another throne brought into the throne room where she could sit right here on his right hand. And they had a conversation that he still saw his mom that we're in a sense on the same level here, mom. And also he was more than willing to grant whatever requests she asked of him. For he said, I will not refuse you. It's pretty amazing to think about Solomon and his love and respect for his mom. Solomon was not a perfect king. He was not a perfect man. No biblical author or pastor today would say that he was, but he did honor his mom, and he did respect his mom. And even kings should stoop down when their mothers enter the room. 
Children, next time mama walks in the room, you get down on your knees. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we do see here this incredible reverence that this powerful man has for his mom. And what we see in all of this is really God's design for the family. Solomon understands that there are mothers and there are fathers and there are sons and there are daughters and they're all related in one family. And this relationship helps strengthen a unique accountability. And that's why we see here in Proverbs 1.8, here, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. It is assumed here that Hebrew children would listen to their parents' instruction and to their teaching. This is the expectation revealed in the words of Solomon. This is something we shouldn't take for granted. Families are God's idea. This is God's design. This is God's plan. This is God's way. Families didn't evolve over time. They were ordained by God in creation. In fact, that's your first blank if you're taking notes this morning. Families were ordained by God. And you know this passage well, Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And so from Genesis 1, 27 and 28, we learned that God created man and that God created woman. And he created the man to be a male and he created the woman to be a female. And moms, I hope that you take great pride in, and great gratitude in your gender and in your calling if you're a mom. I hope that you love being a mom. And I hope that you see that God designed you to be a mom and he created you to be a mom. And I hope that you celebrate your gender and you rejoice in biblical womanhood even so much as that may mean for you being a mom and a mother. Here at Placerita, we believe in what we call biblical complementarianism, which just simply means that men and women are created equal before God in our value and in our dignity, but we have different roles and responsibilities both at church and at home. In short, we're equal, but we're different. And that is no more apparent to me than when Lisa is away for just one evening for a couple of hours, or in the rarity that she might go away for a day or two. I have no idea how she prepares fantastic meals, keeps a clean house, does all the laundry, and interacts with the kids all at the same time. I have no idea how she does it. I can't do that. I can do one thing at a time, but not all those things all the time. In fact, one mom posted this week about how their moms are so busy. Here's the busy mom's checklist. You ready? Brushing their teeth, having clean uniforms ready, remembering any doctor, dentist, or eye doctor appointments, getting the kids to school on time, keeping on top of calendar dates, classmate birthdays, field trips, and other important days, laundry, making the kids breakfast, remembering lunch boxes or lunch money, preparing dinner, making sure the cupboards are stocked, getting the children to bed on time, making sure they actually eat their breakfast making sure they take a drink to school, ironing, reading homework, preparing kids for tests. If it's raining, making sure they have a raincoat, remembering PE clothes and other essentials, permission slips, remembering to brush the children's hair, making sure that they have their homework with them when they head off to school, making sure they have their shoes on, making sure they're gone, they have gone to the bathroom before getting in the car. 
making sure the pets are fed, keep on top of the clothing, patch up holes, remembering after-school activities, keeping on top of daily medications or vitamins. That's just part of her list. I had to stop. I'm like, I can't keep this up, right? It's amazing, right? It's just a little bit of what moms do. The, Bible's, the Bible also teaches that before a mom can become a mom, so moms do a lot, but hopefully you're keeping in track with what we're saying here. Before a mom becomes a mom, notice that the Bible said families are God's idea and that, that there's a man created and a woman created so they can be fruitful and multiply. So the question is, how can moms be fruitful and multiply? Is it by indiscriminate relationships and promiscuity? I hope not. The Bible tells us that this is all to take place within the confines of what? Marriage. That's your next blank. Families have their beginning in marriage. Families are God's idea. Families start with a marriage, right? We have moms who are ordained by God, as families are ordained by God, but we also families understand that their real beginning begins in marriage. Genesis 2, 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall be called one flesh. At the heart of the family is this foundational relationship between a husband and a wife. And this covenant of marriage is intended to last a lifetime, not just until you think that you found someone better. Marriage is about leaving your parents and cleaving to each other with a bond that will never be broken. Marriage is about the two becoming one. And when marriage is broken by the tragic cause of death, or the unfortunate occurrence of divorce, then there may have to be single-parent families. And God will be faithful to every single parent. And God will work through all the joys and the challenges of what you go through. And God also works in blended families if they are to remarry. God strengthens broken families just as much as He strengthens biological families. But God's original purpose for the heart of any family was to be one man and one woman for one life. And in that way, God intends to show forth His glory. Christian marriages are to be a picture of Christ and His love for the church, which is never broken. Marriages are to show the world the way that God relates to His people in love and in faithfulness. So here's what I'm saying. As far as it depends on you, mom, you stay in that marriage. Now, I know there are some circumstances that happen that are inevitable. We also believe at our church that God allows two times in life where divorce could happen in the case of unrepented adultery or the abandonment of a non-believer. So it does happen. But I'm just trying to say, fight for your marriage. If you're still in the marriage and you're capable to fight for it, moms, forgive your husband. Live with him in a way that would win him over without a word. Look to the Lord for your strength to keep your family together for God's glory and for your good. And so we're talking here about how moms, the whole idea of that starts with God's idea of family. Second truth I want to give to you this morning is this. Number two, the instruction starts at home. The instruction starts at home. The family is God's basic school for instructing children of how to live in the world. In fact, look again at verse 8, Proverbs 1, 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. The, the father is an instructor, and the mother is a teacher. Therefore, the home is a school. This is true whether you choose to homeschool 
send your kids to a public school or have them in a private school. Home is the place that God has ordained for the family to live and to thrive. And that means that there are all kinds of lessons going on every day whether school is in session or not. And your kids may be gone for a few hours to school, but when they are in the home, you are still teaching them. And more important than teaching history or math or science is teaching them about God, which is our next blank. All mothers should be teaching their children. All moms. Every, every mom who has a child should be teaching that child. In fact, turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And as you're turning there, let me just say that there are some things, we're talking about teaching our kids, there are some things that just come naturally to babies. They know how to suck. They know how to cry. There are reflexes in a baby's hand. When if you place your finger in that little infant's hand, they're going to grab your finger. You can take your finger and sneak it up under their little toes, and they're going to clamp down on your finger. It's so fun to do that, by the way, isn't it? All you parents know what I'm talking about. There's some things you just don't have to teach a baby. They come doing those things already. And one of those things is sin. Sin is natural to our nature. And you don't have to teach a child how to hit somebody or how to tell a lie or even how to throw a temper tantrum. They come like that. You don't have to read instructions. They just do it. They get on the floor and let it out. They do it on their own. But it is necessary and appropriate for moms and dads to teach their children about God. A child may be able to observe the beauties of general creation, and a child may even have a conscience that convicts him or her about their sin, but a child needs instruction and teaching from their parents about God. And while I believe that a dad should be leading the way in family devotions, dad is not always there which means that moms have the awesome privilege and responsibility to teach their kids about Christ. The family is God's primary tool for theological instruction and teaching young children about the faith. A child may only spend a few hours a week at church, which means that a parent may have up to 165 hours a week to teach their own kids about Jesus. And don't, don't get me wrong, we, we love youth pastors, we love youth ministry, we love children's pastors, I wish we had one. We love children's ministry. We love Sunday school teachers and elders and deacons and anybody who's pouring into your kid at church or some Christian organization, we love it all. But what we really love is a parent who gets this awesome privilege and moms in particular who are faithful to point their little ones to Jesus every day. Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now this is called the Shema, the Hebrew word for hear, where Moses is getting the attention of his listeners to say, listen up, hear, O Israel, we have one God that we serve. And we're to love him with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength. And then the next thing he says, 
is basically parents teach your children diligently. The very second thing he says is to the parents about the children. He doesn't even address the priests or the Levites or the sacrificial system. Before he even gets to any of that, he just says, parents, all day long, every day, when you get up and when you lie down and when you walk by the way, just teach your kids about Christ. You've got to pass the baton. It's your responsibility even more than the church. It's the parent's responsibility, and I would say a privilege. I love teaching my kids about Christ. It's so fun. It's so amazing to see their little eyes open up and hear a story for the first time where they try to, you know, I, I like to say, what do you think is going to happen next? And just to hear what they say. Sometimes it's hilarious, right? You're like, oh, my goodness. And then sometimes you're like, they're exactly right. And then sometimes you're like, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. But it didn't happen that way. Listen, this is what, how it happened. This is how it went down. And you tell them the story, right? Why would you want to give that privilege away to someone else as being the main teacher? Yes, we appreciate, again, like I said, educated teachers who do a great job, but you have that privilege. And I'm saying, moms, you spend more time with your children than the dads do, right? Unless you're Mr. Mom. That's another sermon for another time, right? But if you're, if you're there at the house, you have the opportunity to do a great job at this. A nation is only as strong as the people, and the people of a nation are only as strong as their families. And that's why he's addressing this in Deuteronomy 6. He's addressing the nation. And the nation is only as strong as the families. And it works similarly in a church. A church is only as strong as the families who are in that church. And it may be, it may be that the father is a backbone and the breadwinner of the family, but the mother has hands and feet serving her husband and her children every day. Moms, you make a big difference in this church. You make a big difference in how you raise up your kids and you teach them. So let me ask you this morning, are you taking those opportunities in everyday life to point your kids to Christ? If you are, we just want to say thank you. Thanks for doing a great job. So many of you do that regularly, and I'm so thankful for you taking the time to read the Scriptures and to explain the Word of God to your children. Thank you for taking the time to point your children to the comforts of Christ through the little things, whether it's a skinned knee or a sore throat or a bad dream. Thanks for pointing your kids to Christ, whether you are out on a walk or at the park or at a public event. Thanks for pointing your kids to Christ, whether it's in the morning or throughout the day or at night. Thanks for pointing out the glory of God in creation and in redemption. Our children need teaching 24-7, and I'm so thankful that we have so many godly moms right here who are doing a great job. And we just want to say thanks, and it makes a difference. And not only should mothers be teaching their children about God, but secondly, your best teaching could be by setting an example. Your best teaching could be by setting an example. And this is the idea that sometimes things are better caught than taught. This is the idea that sometimes things are better felt than dealt. This is the idea that sometimes things are better observed than they are insisted upon. And I would say that one of the best ways that a mom could teach humble obedience is by obeying God's Word herself. One of the best ways that a mom could teach about how a child should submit to authority is by submitting to authority herself. One of the best ways that a mom could teach respect is by showing respect herself. 
Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. This is right before God challenges husbands to love their wives like Christ of the church. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. If your children see you joyfully submitting to your husbands in everything, then maybe they'll be more willing to submit to you in everything. If your children see you respecting your husbands, even when your husbands aren't perfect, maybe they'll also respect you when you're not perfect. And if your children see you obeying God's word, even when it's hard, then maybe they'll be more likely to obey God's word as well. If you're married, it's pretty much impossible to be a godly mom if you're not a godly wife. Moms, your first priority ought to be to the Lord, then to your husbands, and then to your children. And it it makes your children feel secure when they see the solid relationship that you have with your husband. It makes your children feel more secure when they see you love and respect your husband right in front of them. It makes your children feel more secure when they see you in all of life putting Christ first and your husband next and then maybe even focusing on the kids. Moms, remember that when you may feel like in the world's eyes you're not doing much, you're doing amazing things when you are setting a godly example for your children. You are glorifying God and touching the heart of your child for years to come. And more important than getting that promotion at work, and more important than having the perfect house, and more important than having a hundred people thinking of you that you're just a great person, is you leading your kids to Christ and doing that in a practical way every moment of every day. It's the most important thing you could ever do. So here we are, seeing that the family is God's idea, instruction starts in the home, and now third, The foundation is the fear of the Lord. That's why we're here today in Proverbs chapter 1. This foundation is all about the fear of the Lord. Your next blank says moms need the fear of the Lord. Look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the beginning of everything. It's the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction, but we already know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the beginning of how to know God. It's the beginning of how to love God. It's the beginning of how to do marriage. It's the beginning of how to do mothering. It all starts with fearing God. This word fear in this context means reverence or awe. Just to be in awe of God. To have a high regard and a great respect for the Lord. This is the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of knowing the Lord and understanding the Lord and trusting the Lord. And so, Mom, before you can teach your kids about the fear of the Lord, you have to fear the Lord yourself. Not only are you uh, needing reverence for the Lord and to be in awe of His majesty, but you need to care more about what He thinks than what others think, right? One One of the most besetting sins of many moms is the fear of man. And somehow, this is a very regular struggle with most moms. It's kind of natural that you would struggle about what others think about you as a wife and a mom. Do they think I'm a good mother? Am I doing all the right things for my children? Will other moms see me as hovering over my children or not being involved enough with my children? What will they think about me if I just drop off my child at that birthday party? 
What will they think of me if I don't volunteer in my kid's class? Should I bring food to the end-of-year school party? Should I bring something healthy, like carrots and celery? Or should I bring something unhealthy, but I know the kids will love it? What should I wear to the event? What should I do? I don't know. I, I just want to be a great mom. What are other moms doing? And you start to do your research, and you forget it's about, hey, just calm down. Just fear the Lord. Just, just fear God. If that's all you do, that's, that's more than enough. And so let me give you a couple of verses that might help you if that's your particular struggle, the fear of man. Let me give you these verses. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Don't you love that? It's a reminder that we don't need to fall into the trap of fearing others over fearing the Lord. We need to trust in God, obey His Word. Don't fear man, trust God, and you will be safe. How about the words of Christ on fearing man? Matthew 10, 28, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This verse is saying, don't worry about others. They are not ultimate. Yes, they may dislike you, and they may try to kill you, but they cannot send your soul to hell. But God can. So fear God. Be in awe of Him. And worship and obey Him with your life. How about Acts 5.29? But Peter and the apostles answer, we must obey God rather than men. Don't follow or be influenced by others. Don't be threatened by others. Don't obey others. Obey God. You are ultimately accountable to God. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Life can still be tough, but God is there to help you. He will give you courage. He will go with you. He will never leave you. He'll never abandon you. He's who makes you a godly mom. Look to Him for your strength. How about Hebrews 13, 6? So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Right? The Lord is your helper. The Lord gives you confidence. Don't fear man. What can man do? Fear God. Be in awe of God. Revere God. And so, mom, you first have to have the fear of the Lord if you're going to pass that down to your kids. So you need the fear of the Lord. And then you need to show your children the fear of the Lord. Your next blank, moms need to show their children the fear of the Lord. If, if I were to ask what's the basis and beginning and the unifying theme of a father's instruction and a mother's teaching here in Proverbs, what is it that, that runs through all of their daily modeling and counseling and explaining and correcting and, and disciplining and discipling? The answer would be so that our children would develop a healthy fear of the Lord. That's what we want our kids to get. More than anything else, we want them to fear God. And moms are teaching wonderful things like how to hold a spoon and how to color, and how to tie your shoes. And they should be doing that, right? Moms teach brilliant things like say please and thank you. Moms are teaching vital safety measures that that they're the kids to, to look both ways before they cross the street and don't stick anything else up your nose, right? And don't play with matches. Mom, teach important things like how to brush your teeth and how to eat your vegetables and how to practice good hygiene. Right? We should do all that. Thankful for moms to do that. 
But the most important thing that a mom could ever do is to teach her children about the fear of the Lord. It's the most important thing you could do. Listen to the description even of the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. Remember the woman that does all this crazy stuff and you look, look at her and you're like, oh my word, I can never keep up with that lady. Right, she gets up early in the morning and she, you know, she clothes her kids in scarlet and she works through the snow and she buys a fill and you're like, ah! Aren't you glad I didn't preach on Proverbs 31 this morning? Next year, next year, right? But listen to this one verse, Proverbs 31, 26. 26 says, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. You can do that with God's help. There's other things you can emulate in Proverbs 31, but if I just had to pick one, I'd say, can you do that? Can you, can you open your mouth with wisdom from on high about how to fear the Lord? Verse 28 in that same chapter says, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Let me tell you something. I love my wife. She's a great cook. She's a great homemaker. She's a great mom. But I love it most when I see her open up the Bible and just teach the kids if that happens to be what's going on. When I get home late or whatever's going on, she's like, hey, hey, I'm just leading the kids to Jesus. I'm like, that's my woman. That's what I'm talking about. That's more exciting for me than anything else because I know it has more value than anything else she could ever do. So don't forget, moms, the foundation of your life and the foundation of your parenting must be the fear of the Lord. This is the beginning of knowledge. This is understanding who God is and your need for Him. This is teaching your children that it is foolish to despise wisdom and instruction. You must teach your children the fear of the Lord. If nothing else, teach them to fear God and to keep His commandments. The next truth about motherhood is that this, number four, the responsibility of both fathers and mothers. In the Bible, both fathers and mothers share in the responsibility of teaching their children about God. Your next blank, a mother should be training her children. A mother should be training her children. One more time, Proverbs 1.8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. When Proverbs 1.8 says that, it does not say fathers instruct and mothers change diapers, though they do. It does not say fathers instruct and mothers give baths, though they do. It doesn't say fathers instruct and mothers kiss skin knees, though they do that too. It says fathers instruct and mothers teach. They teach. I'm just trying to help you see, ladies, it's a reminder, we're both involved as a mom and dad in training our children. And the Bible does not teach either dads that a father works at the office and has no responsibilities to teach their children at home. It doesn't say that dads work all day, so when they get home, they need a break. No, dads, when you get home, your day is just beginning. The Bible says that fathers instruct and mothers teach, and there is a shared responsibility. The word for instruction means reproof, which is a warning. It means discipline. The word for teaching is the word Torah, which means, which means to teach God's law. To teach is the Torah. To teach God's law, it means to teach a precept or a statute. And as far as moms teaching and training their children, the Bible says, and it's understood to both, 
Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This responsibility, again, belongs both to a father and a mother. Together, they're able to train up their children, which requires constant ongoing instruction and teaching. The idea of training also gives the idea of reward when a child does well and discipline when their hearts and their behavior needs to be corrected. Listen to Proverbs 29:15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. I believe that a father should be the primary disciplinarian, but I also believe that a mother needs to discipline her children with the rod of correction. Nowhere does it say that's only for dads. It doesn't say that. It's understood parent, both parents spank according to God's word in love and with great care. What I'm saying is, sure, there's times where you might give the heavy to the dad. That's how we do it in our house. But there's other times I'm like, honey, spank them. It's okay. You can do it, especially when they're young, young. And they can't wait till I get home. I mean, they won't remember what happened, right? You can't always like, well, I'll wait till your daddy gets home. When your father gets home, don't be that mom. Occasionally, yes. All the time, no. There's times when you need to be involved helping train them. If a mom is only waiting for her husband to come home every night and to discipline the children, then she's being lazy during the day. It takes strength and patience to love and discipline a child. But moms, you can do it. You can do it with God's help. You can be faithful and be consistent. Don't leave your child to themselves in this area. Pursue instruction and pursue teaching and pursue discipline because you love your child. And he gives you strength. I would also say here, speaking of training your child, still on that same point, I love 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Moms, let me just remind you, use scripture. Every time you correct your kid, you shouldn't be saying, because I said so. That's because we don't want to get this house dirty. Are those reasons? Yes, there are reasons. Sometimes you might revert to that. It's okay. It happens in every house. But I'm saying overall, if you're really going for it, use the Word of God. I don't have resources in front of me, but we have them in our office, all these verses that moms can use. So if your child does this, here's a great verse to talk to them about. If your child's struggling with this, here's a great verse that you could talk to them about. If your child does this, and you're able to actually in that moment be teaching them the fear of the Lord. And it takes all day. And it takes a lifetime. Training up your child is a long process throughout the duration of their childhood. Ask God for strength. Ask God for grace and be encouraged with his power working through you. And mother should also be discipling. Your next blank. She should be discipling her children, training them, discipling them. There's a little overlap here, but on this Mother's Day, I want to encourage mothers that this responsibility to train and disciple your children is an immeasurably significant privilege. And during the second half of the 20th century, the idea of motherhood seemed to be diminishing. And even stay-at-home moms were humiliated. But I think there's a comeback. I think there's a comeback in the culture to some degree, and certainly in the church, to uphold the beauty of motherhood. God has a way of nullifying the greatness of the great and exalting the lowliness of the lowly. In fact, listen to this letter that a mom wrote to the editor of a local newspaper. She writes this, I'm so tired of all those ignorant people who come up to my husband and ask him if his wife has a full-time job or if she's just a housewife. 
Here's my job description. I'm a wife, mother, friend, confidant, personal advisor, lover, referee, peacemaker, housekeeper, laundress, chauffeur, interior decorator, gardener, painter, wallpaperer, dog groomer, veterinarian, manicurist, barber, seamstress, appointment manager, financial planner, bookkeeper, money manager, personal secretary, teacher, disciplinarian, entertainer, counselor, nurse, diagnostician, public relations expert, dietitian and nutritionist, baker, chef, fashion coordinator, and letter writer for both sides of the family. I'm also a travel agent, speech therapist, plumber, and automobile maintenance and repair expert. From the studies done, it would cost more than $160,000 a year to replace me. But I took time out of my busy day to write this letter because there are still ignorant people who believe that a housewife is nothing more than a babysitter who sits on her behind all day and looks at soap operas. Now, I appreciate this lady's candidness. She has a little spunk. I like that. I appreciate her pride of motherhood, but what we're learning this morning is that motherhood is so much more than just the logistical issues and the necessities of running a home. There are little souls at stake that we want to influence and point to Christ. So if we do everything this mom says that she did and we don't lead our kids to Christ, then we're not honoring the principle of biblical motherhood which is that we want to instill in our children with God's help. Only the Lord can do it. We know that. You can only be faithful. God's got to be the one who drives it home. You focus on faithfulness and let him focus on faith. But what I'm saying is, don't just get caught up in all the motherhood stuff and forget it's about the gospel. It's about Jesus. And I love the reminder of the effect that Timothy's mother and grandmother had on him. 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul writing to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Why was Timothy of such a sound faith? It might not have been because of his dad, because daddy's not mentioned here. Some would say he was of a Greek origin, so his father and grandfather were Greek and they didn't know the gospel. While, as the Bible does mention, his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, who instilled in him a sincere faith. Thank God for godly moms. It might be through the mother that the child comes to Christ. Right a little bit further in 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. How did Timothy come to saving faith? Because he was well acquainted with the holy writings. He was acquainted with the Bible, with God's Word, because he had a grandma and a ma who day and night poured Scripture into his soul, and God redeemed Timothy as he was exposed to God's word pointing to faith in Jesus Christ. One last truth on motherhood. Number five, the beauty of listening to your mother. Look at verse nine, for they are a graceful garland on your head and pendants on for your neck. The beauty of listening to your mother. This verse tells us that when you do hear your father's instruction and when you do listen to your mother, your, your father's uh, instruction and your mother's teaching, what does it say? 
you'll have a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. This is like saying that when you heed instruction and apply teaching of your parents, it's like having a graceful wreath placed on your head like a crown. It's like having a beautiful necklace placed around your neck for all to see. Not only will your parents be honored, but you will be honored as well. In other words, it's not just for them, it's for you. You will receive blessings and a reward for your obedience. It is implied here that rebellion and disobedience would lead to dishonor. So which one is it, children? Which one is it, teenagers? Do you want to listen to your mom this morning and honor her, or do you want to dishonor her? Because when you honor her, the Bible says you will be honored. Like the same truth is so clear in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, your next blank, the incredible promise, right? An incredible promise. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. This promise of Ephesians is an incredible one. Obey outwardly with your actions and obey inwardly with your attitude and God promises it will go well with you. You will have a healthy relationship with your mom and dad. It may be tough at times. doesn't mean everything's perfect, but it means it will go well with you and you will live long in the land. Why? Because you don't have any conflict at home. You honor everything your mom and your dad says, unless what they're doing is clearly unbiblical. You're honoring what they say, and you're submitting to them, and you're following them. And as you do that, it's as if God is placing a crown on your head and a necklace around your neck saying, that's my boy, that's my girl. Look at them and the way they love and honor their parents. What an incredible promise this is. But we also see an incredible service. You have the opportunity to to pay an incredible service that's your last blank, to your mom. I mean, I love all the gifts that moms get on Mother's Day, creative, handwritten cards. I mean, sometimes it's just beautiful to open up those cards and be like, I have no idea what she drew there. But, oh, sweetie, can you come explain this to me? Oh, that's a dinosaur eating mommy? Oh, okay. Thank you. You know, it's like you never know what they're going to say, right? But usually the kid has some idea of what it is. And we love that, right? Their artwork is amazing. Their spelling is unique. There are also various gifts that children give to their moms, whether it be a plant or a flower or a coffee cup. Children can be so thoughtful. Listen to me, kids. Listen to me, teenagers, this morning. You want to make it a great day for your mom today? Proverbs 23, 25 says, Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. The absolute best way for you to show your mom that you love her today is to commit in your heart to obey her and then put it into practice. You could give your mom $1,000 worth of gifts today. But if you walk out of here and this week, tomorrow and the next day, you talk back to her and you disobey her and you mock her when she tells you you need to get your homework done or clean your room, then it means nothing. I mean, they still keep the $1,000, right? But what they would prefer is for you to, to just walk with Christ, to just obey them in everyday activities. And listen to me, children and teenagers. Mom loves you no matter what. She loves you. So it's not like somehow she's going to stop loving you because you've been a bad boy today. But when you love your mom and obey her and honor her, like what we've been talking about this morning, then it gives her reason 
to rejoice and be glad. And so do you want your mom to rejoice today? Do you want to make her happy today? Do you want a mom who's glad today? Then look to Christ and honor his word. And in return, you will be honoring your mom. What a great service. Maybe some of you had a a big fight this week. You had a big argument this week with your mom. If you're a teenager, chances are you did. If you're a toddler, you had one too, but it's just shorter and quicker. Right? The opportunity is today to say, Mom, I love you. I thank God for you. Would you please forgive me for all the times I've caused you grief? I would love for you to be able to rejoice and be glad. Mama, I want to live my life for Jesus, and I want to hear your teaching, and I want to apply my dad's instruction. You know, as a child, you will outgrow your mom's lap one day, but you will never outgrow the opportunity to touch her heart. And so as we close this morning, let me just give you three quick questions. The first one's for children. Are you faithfully obeying your mother's teaching? That's what we're talking about today. Are you, as a child, are you faithfully obeying your mom's teaching, both outwardly and inwardly? Both the actions and the attitude matter to God. Are you listening to your mom? Do you scoff at her? Or do you say, yes, mom? Yes, mom. With God's help, I'll be happy to do that. The second question is more for dads. Are you regularly encouraging your kids to respect their mom? How many times do you have to have a mom and a child go at it and dad's just sitting over there on the couch watching the NBA finals? Get off the couch, right? And get over there and get involved. Hopefully on the side of the mother. That'd be helpful, right? To just, to just, maybe you need to help mom, but the idea is that you need to be in there encouraging your kids to respect their mom. Are you doing that on a regular basis? Are you involved, dads? Last question is for us all. Are you truly honoring your mother's legacy? Are you honoring her, her legacy? I'm, I'm assuming here that she tried to pour into you value and good. Hopefully, she poured into you Christ if you grew up in a Christian home. Are you honoring that legacy? Have you called your mom today? Have have you written her a card? Have you told her you love her and you're thankful for her? Maybe she's gone and she's already died. Maybe she's with the Lord. Maybe you don't know where she is. But are you honoring her legacy by heeding your father's instruction and your mother's teaching? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gain wisdom today from your word. Proverbs, so clear about fearing the Lord, the beginning of everything. And we've seen how that's tied directly to a father's instruction and a mother's teaching today. Oh, how we would love to have that that graceful garland around our head and those beautiful pendants around our neck. Not for our glory, ultimately, Lord, but for yours. For, for for, For your sake and for your renown, that those who see us would see Christ Those who see us would see how we're able to honor our moms and our dads by listening and obeying. And so I pray for every child or teenager that still lives at home under their parents' provision. I pray, God, that you would stir up that young man or that young woman or even that little boy or that little girl, what it means to really love mom and obey her. I pray for dads today that you would help us to foster this type of instruction and teaching in our homes that we would also praise our wives at the gates. I pray for moms today, that they would be encouraged. We're not here to do anything, but just to lift them up and say, thank you, Lord, for giving us godly moms. And I pray that you would encourage those moms that with your help, 
And in the power of your spirit, they can they could value and, and admire biblical motherhood in the ways that we've seen here today. You would just give strength and stamina and great joy in us all living our walk for the Lord Jesus Christ and for His glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.